Hello and welcome to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello and welcome to episode 18. Today I'll be discussing chapter 16 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Through the Trap Door. And before I get into Harry Potter news, I just want to give a shout out to all who listen. And I want to remind people that my email is the Heiress of Slytherin podcast at gmail.com. You can email me with any questions or concerns. And my Twitter page is at SlytherinPod and Facebook page is the Heiress of Slytherin podcast. Through the Anchor link, you can donate to this podcast and also leave voice messages that I can play on here. And all the platforms this podcast is available on are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. And it would be great if you guys could subscribe on whichever platform you listen from, write a review, and just listen to my episodes and spread the word. So some recent Harry Potter news is that Hogwarts Legacy video game from Porky Games, it is going to be launching this year. It was delayed for a little bit, but it will be launching this year. The exact release date isn't released yet, but it will be coming out in 2022. And it seems pretty cool. It's an immersive dive into the wizarding world and you're going back in the past. So you are a character who was a student at Hogwarts in the 1800s. You have to discover kind of like what's happening, what's going on in their own epic adventure. And there's just familiar locations from the movies. There's undiscovered locations, different places in Hogwarts and things like that. You can make friends, discover fantastic beasts. You can brew potions learn spells. It's a lot of stuff like that. And your character isn't just a regular character. You kind of possess an ancient secret that can put the entire wizarding world in danger. You have to figure out with like how you're going to use your power, what you're going to do. Are you going to be good? Are you going to be bad? It's like your own legacy in Hogwarts. So again, there's no confirmation as to when it will be coming out the exact release date, but a lot of Harry Potter fans are super eager And it makes me want to get it too. Like I don't have an Xbox or PlayStation or anything like that. But I do really want to get this game. I think it'd be super fun. And now for a brief summary of last episode. So last episode I talked about chapter 15 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And Harry, Hermione, and Malfoy and Neville all have detention. Ron does not. All of Gryffindor and pretty much all the school except for Slytherin is really mad at Harry and Hermione and Neville, but mostly Harry because he's famous. Um, He lost Gryffindor 150 points, and that puts Slytherin in the lead for the House Cup. And he even considers resigning from the Quidditch team, but Wood tells him, like, that doesn't even make any sense that you would resign. We'd have nobody, and people would hate you even more. So Harry promises himself he won't get involved in any more activities and any more meddling and snooping and stuff like that. However, he accidentally overhears a conversation where... Quirrell appears to be threatened and giving in to somebody, and it's presumably Snape. And it really worries Harry because of the stone, but he still has to go to detention and kind of get on with his life without really meddling and interfering and stuff like that. So Hagrid brings Neville, Malfoy, and Harry and Hermione into the forest. They split up in two groups. Eventually those groups get mixed up, and Malfoy and Harry come across a dead unicorn and there's a mysterious cloaked figure that is drinking the blood of it. Malfoy runs away because he's scared. Harry's left alone and a centaur named Firenze 
he rescues Harry and carries him back to Hagrid. And while Harry is like riding back with the centaur, he learns that that cloaked figure was Voldemort. And he was drinking the unicorn blood as insane himself until he could obtain the sorcerer's stone, which can make the elixir of life. So really scary time for Harry. And it was a really big chapter for him. A lot of foreshadowing and some cool stuff that I discussed. It was really fun. The very first sentence of this chapter is, In years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he had managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. This is a pretty good summary of the series, at least for his first six years since he doesn't go to Hogwarts in his seventh year. But yeah, Voldemort, just the threat of him is almost always looming and just danger. Harry's just in constant danger, it seems like. So yeah, I don't know how Harry manages to do his schoolwork when he has all this other dangerous life stuff going on. So it's end of the year exams and there's both written and practical exams and their quills, they have been given special new quills so that they can't cheat on their tests. So it's been bewitched with an anti-cheating spell. And one detail that I want to talk about from this first page is that it's apparently sweltering hot. And so I was curious. So I googled what the average temperature in Scotland would have been around this time. So it would have been like May, June. And apparently the maximum temperature from like March, April, May that time is about 45 degrees Fahrenheit to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's a really nice time to visit if you're okay with it being cold like that. I mean, it gets a lot colder over there in the UK, but I just thought that was funny that it was sweltering hot and it might have been like 60 degrees maybe because I'm from Arizona and it's a lot hotter than that when it's May, June, July, that whole time. But July and August are normally the warmest in the warmest months in England and the best months to travel are usually like May, June, July, September, October, that kind of thing, August. But apparently these are the most pleasant temperatures with less rain. And I think it's funny that sweltering hot for Harry is definitely not hot at all. As I had mentioned, they have their written exams and practical exams. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I always love hearing what their assignments and tests and stuff like that are. And Professor Flitwick, remember he's the charms professor, also head of Ravenclaw House. He called them into his class one by one to see if they can make a pineapple tap dance across the desk. So that's charms. Professor McGonagall, transfiguration teacher and also head of Gryffindor House. She watched him turn a mouse into a snuff box and you got extra points if the snuff box was pretty, but you got points taken away if it had whiskers. So transfiguration is very tricky magic. And Snape, his practical was kind of making sure they remembered how to make a forgetfulness potion. So remembering all the ingredients and things like that. And I was curious. So I looked up what the ingredients would be. They include Leith River Water mistletoe berries, valerian sprigs, and a standard ingredient. So basically you get your cauldron, you add two drops of the leaf river water into it, heat it for about 20 seconds. You add the two valerian sprigs, stir clockwise three times, and wave your wand, allow it to brew 45 minutes, and then you take your mortar and pestle and you add the two measures of standard ingredient, four mistletoe berries, crush that into a fine powder, and you add two pinches of that powder into the cauldron, stir five times counterclockwise, and then you give it away with your wand. So again, potions are just so specific sometimes and you have to get them just right. Especially if you have a picky professor like Snape, he's not gonna accept anything subpar. He's gonna want the real deal. He's gonna want good potions like Hermione makes. 
Throughout all of Harry's exams and studying and all that, his scar is still hurting him a lot and he can't get good sleep because of it. And he's also getting that old reoccurring nightmare with that green flashing light. Remember that was Voldemort killing his mom that he saw that he witnessed. And this time the nightmare now has a hooded figure with dripping blood in it. So that's how he saw Voldemort in the Forbidden Forest that night. And that's the image that's just burned into his head, haunting his sleep. And he's also so busy with all of the studying. And then finally, he has his last exam, and that's History of Magic. If you guys remember, History of Magic is taught by the ghost Professor Binns. He just woke up one day dead. He like woke up as a ghost and just went to go teach. So that's how I remember that class. And something that I think is super interesting is that after their last exam, the Hogwarts students have a full week to wait until their exam results come back. So they have a full week to just do nothing. They're just free to do nothing, which is really cool to just kind of hang out at Hogwarts with the rest of your friends. It's not like the last day of the school year is just your last test. You kind of get some time to relax and just hang out and stuff like that. So that's cool. And all the first years especially are so happy when exams are done. It's They got through it. They got through their first year. And no one at all wants to talk about how the tests went or what was on it except for Hermione. And after the History of Magic exam, she's saying that she it was way easier than she thought it would be and that she didn't even have to learn about the 1637 Werewolf Code of Conduct or the Uprising of Elfric the Eager. So for werewolves in the Wizarding World, they are often outcasts and really dangerous and people just don't like them, don't like being around them. Even Lupin, Professor Lupin, Harry's dad's friend, in the third book, you find out he's a werewolf. And he has been living in poverty pretty much his whole life, almost his whole adult life, because he's been outcast since he's a werewolf. And there's just a lot of just really bad laws against the werewolves. And just there isn't really good organization with the Ministry of Magic in general, and especially not with werewolves. So their policies are really inefficient. And the Werewolf Code of Conduct of 1637, which Hermione was talking about, it's it happened where werewolves were supposed to sign, promising not to attack anyone, but to lock themselves up securely each and every month during the full moon. So nobody signed the code, which no one was surprised about, because nobody wanted to walk into the Ministry of Magic and say, hey, I'm a werewolf, like I got bitten. And this was a problem later on for the werewolf registry, because every name on the werewolf registry was, or every person who was a werewolf was supposed to put their name on the werewolf registry and put in their name and personal details. And it was just incomplete and unreliable because a lot of the newly bitten people that people didn't know were bitten, they were trying to hide their condition because they didn't want to be exposed to that shame and exile and all of that. So really just bad policies and didn't work out very well. Hermione also mentions Elfric the Eager, and he was responsible for an uprising at some point in wizarding history, and no questions were asked about this, but at least Hermione knows it. So Hermione does like to talk about the exams. It makes Ron feel ill, so they just kind of try to avoid it. And they go down to the lake. I don't know if it's been mentioned before in this book, but the Hogwarts Lake does have a giant squid, and at this point right here, Lee Jordan and the twins are tickling it. Pretty much everyone thinks they can relax except for Harry. He's really frustrated because he doesn't know the meaning behind the pain in his scar. He thinks it's a warning and he has just an unsettling feeling that he can't hide and he can't overlook. 
Hermione and Ron think that the stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around and that they've never had any proof about how Snape found out how to get past Fluffy and they just don't think that Hagrid would disappoint Dumbledore either because he doesn't want to. He holds Dumbledore so highly and Harry kind of is like, okay, fine, but he also feels like there's a feeling like this something that he forgot to do, something really important. And Hermione's telling him, oh, no, that's just that's just the exams. Like, that happened to me last night. I was studying my transfiguration notes, and then I remembered that we'd already done that test. So Harry just isn't sure. He knows that there's something unsettling, so he kind of lets his thoughts just run, and then all of a sudden he remembers what it was, and now he knows what he has to do. And he tells them he's got to go to Hagrid, like he needs to see him right now. And the reason is... Because he thinks it's odd that Hagrid wants a dragon like more than anything else in the world. And then suddenly a stranger turns up and has one in his pocket. Like many people probably don't wander around with dragon eggs in their pockets, especially when it's against wizarding law. And he's like, wow, that's so convenient that Hagrid found them. And he didn't see it before. And Ron and Hermione aren't really following along, but he's sprinting across the grounds towards Hagrid's hut. And Harry asks him to kind of explain how he got the egg and all that. Hagrid tells him, like I told you, it was a stranger at the pub at Hogshead, which is a pub in the village of Hogsmeade, which is like right by Hogwarts. It's a wizarding village. And Hagrid tells him that he doesn't remember who the person was. He was a complete stranger. He never took his cloak off, which apparently wasn't unusual for the Hogshead. A lot of people don't really take their cloaks off and stuff like that. And they kind of got into a conversation. The stranger kept buying Hagrid drinks, getting him drunk. And eventually Hagrid kind of lets slip to the stranger about Fluffy that all he needs to do is play music to calm him down and put him to sleep. And then he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that to you three. But the damage is already done. Hagrid already told Snape. That's who Harry thinks the stranger is. So again, Harry's mind is just going a million miles an hour. And Harry and the other two just run off, leave Hagrid in his hut. And Harry thinks it's Snape or Voldemort underneath the cloak. I forgot to mention that Harry also thought it might be Voldemort a few seconds before that. But now Harry just thinks that going to Dumbledore is the best thing to do. And he also thinks that Firenze, the centaur, might even back him up if Bane doesn't stop him. That was the other centaur who doesn't like the human interactions. So they go looking for Dumbledore's office. So the trio enters the castle and they kind of remember that they don't know where Dumbledore's office is. They're looking around, kind of hoping to see some sort of sign pointing them in the right direction, but that's not the case. So someone is around, and it's McGonagall, and she asks them what they're doing because it's apparently a nice day, even though it's hot to some. It's a nice day outside that they should be outside. They shouldn't be inside the castle, and Hermione is the one who speaks up. So Harry and Ron think it's brave that she tells McGonagall we need to see Professor Dumbledore. And Harry says it's a secret, but we really do need to see him. But McGonagall tells him, tells all three of them, that he received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic. I just thought this was kind of interesting because if it was really extremely urgent, then it probably would have been in the form of a Patronus charm. But, you know, owls still get the message across. But if you remember in Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows during Bill and Fleur's wedding, Kingsley sends a Patronus with like a voice message of, how the ministry has fallen, the prime minister or the minister of magic is dead, and he warns them that the Death Eaters are coming. So maybe it's obviously not this drastic, not like Voldemort's back and Death Eaters are going to go try to kill them. But it is urgent, so maybe it was just urgent. 
to where it could have been sent via owl and Patronus wasn't needed because that would be extreme. And Harry right away tells McGonagall, but we need to see him. It's important. It's about the Sorcerer's Stone. McGonagall, of course, is absolutely shocked that they know about the stone. And she says that the stone is too well protected to steal. No one would steal it because it's so well protected. And that Dumbledore will be back tomorrow. Harry is just absolutely losing his mind. He is so worried right now. McGonagall kind of walks away. And Harry says that tonight is the night that Snape is going to go through the trap door to try to steal that stone because Dumbledore's gone. He even thinks that Snape sends a fake note from the ministry. Then suddenly someone is behind them and it's none other than Snape himself. And he actually warns Harry to not stroll around at night like you shouldn't be up to something because he will personally make sure that he is expelled if he is doing any more nighttime wanderings. So then he goes off into the direction of the staff room. So Harry's plan is for somebody to keep an eye on Snape. And he tells Hermione to do that. And she's like, why me? And Ron tells him it's obvious. Like, you'll just pretend to be waiting for Professor Flitwick and just be like, oh, I'm so worried that I got this question wrong. But she's like, whatever. And she agrees to go look out for Snape. And Harry and Ron go to the third floor corridor to kind of keep watch. And that plan does not work. So they try to go to the door, like, leading to Fluffy. And all of a sudden, Professor McGonagall shows up again. And this time, she's really angry. And she tells Ron and Harry, I suppose you think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments. Enough of this nonsense. I think it's so funny that that's what she thinks they're doing, which is pretty much what they are doing. Like, Harry and Ron are just standing guard and, like, Snape could easily just get past them if, like, or anybody who was trying to steal the stone, like, any grown wizard could probably get past these two 11-year-old wizards. So it's just funny. And she also threatens to take away another 50 points from Gryffindor if she hears about them coming anywhere near the trapdoor or the third floor corridor again. And it's so funny. She says, yes, Weasley, from my own house. Because you know that Ron must have made, like, some shocked surprise face. So it's super funny. So Harry and Ron go back to the common room and eventually Hermione comes back and she says that Snape came out of the staff room, asked her what she was doing, and she said that she was waiting for Flitwick and Snape went to go get him, but she just kind of got away and doesn't know where Snape went. And Harry's just saying like, okay, then there's no other choice. I have to go tonight. I have to try to stop him from getting the stone first. And Ron and Hermione are saying like, what? You can't, like you're gonna be expelled. And Harry is screaming at them, so what? Like, don't you understand that if Snape gets the stone, then Voldemort's going to come back. And you're like, you've heard what it was like when he was trying to take over. Like, he killed my parents, tried to kill me. Hogwarts won't even be here to be expelled from is like what he's thinking. And he's so funny. He's saying that he'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. And this quote that Harry says right here, losing points doesn't matter anymore. Can't you see? And it kind of reminds me of Chamber of Secrets when Tom Riddle, the memory of Tom Riddle, tells Harry, killing mudbloods doesn't matter to me anymore. So it's like things that used to matter to them don't matter anymore. And it kind of shows a similarity between Harry and Voldemort. And Dumbledore tells Harry in Order of the Phoenix, it's not how you're alike, it's how you're not. It's how they're different. Harry and Voldemort do have similarities but they're also very different. So I think it's when Harry's kind of struggling with himself, he's kind of seeing Voldemort inside himself and he's seeing like darkness and rage and things like that. 
And even Sirius has to tell him it's, you know, everyone has light and dark inside of them. You have to choose which part you want to act on. And so these quotes are different, but they're similar. And it kind of reminded me of that connection of how Harry and Voldemort are similar, but they're different. And the part of Voldemort that lives inside Harry is what is what kind of makes Harry think that he might be similar to Voldemort at times. So with Harry, something that used to matter a lot, losing points for his house. And Voldemort, he used to really want to kill mudbloods, you know. So those things that seemed important at one time are no longer important to them because they have a bigger picture to worry about. But Harry tells Ron and Hermione that it doesn't, like, matter. Do you think that he's going to just leave you and your family alone because you won the house cup? No, he's telling them, like, if I get caught then I just go back to the Dursleys because I'm expelled and I just wait for Voldemort to find me there because he's still going to die, just not as fast because he has to wait for Voldemort to find him. And he says that he's never going to go to the dark side. And Harry's just has a lot of rage right now. And he's saying that you guys aren't going to stop me. Remember he killed my parents? Like, no, not going to happen. So Hermione and Ron tell Harry that like, you're right, but we're going to go with you. Like your invisibility cloak maybe it'll cover all three of us. They're kind of brainstorming. And he's, they're telling him, we're not going to let you go alone. And I love how they're such good friends to him. They tell him that it reminds me of their loyalty throughout their friendship, um, particularly when Dumbledore dies. And they tell him like, Harry, we're going to go with you to find these Horcruxes. We're not going to let you camp out alone all over the world searching for them. So I really love the Ron and Harry Hermione friendship and how much Ron and Hermione support him. And if we remember earlier on, Hermione had a huge fear of being expelled from Hogwarts. She was even more scared of that than dying. And Harry tells them, like, if we get caught, you guys are going to be expelled too. And Hermione tells them, like, actually, no, I don't think so. Not if I can help it. Because Flitwick told me that, like, in secret, that she got 112 on his exam. And she says, they're not throwing me out after that. So is Hermione the smartest student ever at Hogwarts? Maybe, probably. And even though Harry's better at her in potions in their sixth year, it's because he has the Hell from Half-Blood Prince, who is actually Snape. So Hermione, just absolutely very intelligent. And she's probably gotten the highest score ever on this charms exam, which is why she thinks that because it's such a high score, they're not going to throw her out, especially because Flitwick was so excited when he told her. So that night, the trio kind of waits for the common room to empty out, for everyone to go to bed. And then all of a sudden, Neville is there. And he's telling them that, I know you guys are trying to sneak out again at night, and I can't let you lose any more points to Gryffindor, and I'll even fight you if I have to. And Ron's like, what? Why are you doing this? And Neville tells him that you're the one who told me to stand up to people. And Ron's like, yeah, not us. So... I mean, it's kind of a good sentiment, Neville standing up for himself, but it's at the wrong time. And Hermione pretty much tells him, sorry, but you're in the way and we have to do this. So she does the spell Petrificus Totalis. And that is the full body bind curse. So it's like a body freezing spell. Temporarily paralyzes your opponent. So Neville is temporarily paralyzed, but she has to do it. And by the time the trio gets to the third floor corridor, they think that Snape already got past Fluffy. And now Harry kind of thinks that he has to do this alone because he thinks Snape might already be in there. Ron and Hermione tell him again, we're not leaving. Like, we're here to help you. So Harry gets out the flute that Hagrid got him and he starts playing it. 
And then he wants to be the one to go through the trap door first. So as he's playing the flute, he like points to himself to motion for him to go through it first. And then Hermione takes the flute so that she can continue playing. Otherwise, Fluffy will wake up right away. And they all go through the trap door and they land on something kind of soft. It's a plant. However, Ron and Harry, who are the first ones to go through, don't realize that it's already twisting around their ankles and around their legs, like their whole bodies. Hermione gets up in time and she just gets up right away and goes towards a wall and manages to break free before the plant has a really firm grip on her. Hermione recognizes it as Devil's Snare and Harry and Ron just keep moving, wriggling around. They're really uncomfortable around it, but the more that they strain against it, the faster and tighter the plant winds around them. So Ron is like sarcastic, like, oh, okay, thanks for telling us what it's called. That's a really big help. But she's trying to remember how to kill it or how to, you know, get past it. And Harry's telling her to hurry up because it keeps curling around his chest and it likes the dark and damp is what she's remembering that Professor Sprout told her. So Harry tells her to light a fire and brilliant Hermione says, yes, of course, but there's no wood. And Ron bellows, have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? And she kind of remembers like, oh yeah. So then she takes out her wand and sends some flames out at the plant. And right away, the two boys are able to loosen from its grip and kind of get away from it. They're able to pull free. So Hermione is, she's smart, but this was a not so smart moment for her. And Harry tells her like, oh, I'm so glad you pay attention to herbology. And Ron's like, well, yeah, but I'm glad you don't lose your head in a crisis because he can't believe that Hermione said there's no wood. Like he is just, he just cannot believe she said that. It's so funny. And I wish that part was in the movie because that's hilarious. So Hagrid told the trio earlier on that each professor, or at least most of the professors, like the main ones, they put their own enchantments on guarding the stone. This herbology one was Professor Sprout, of course, and they just keep walking through the passageway and it slopes downward, reminding Harry of Gringotts. And right away, he's thinking like, oh, he remembered that dragons are guarding like some of the really exclusive vaults in that bank. And he's thinking like, if they meet a dragon right now, like a fully grown dragon, he doesn't know what they're going to do because Norbert had been bad enough and he was nowhere near fully grown. And Harry doesn't know it yet, but that Norbert was not his first experience with the dragon. He has one in three years from now with the Triwizard Tournament. And then Harry, Ron, Hermione go literally six years from now to break into a vault at Gringotts and they do encounter a really big, fully grown dragon. So Harry's dragon days are far from over at this point. So that clinking, um, rustling sound, they think that it's birds because they're looking up and they see like these jewel bright birds fluttering and tumbling all around there's a really big door on the opposite end of the room but it's locked when they go and try to cross it so once even Hermione can't get through with Aloha Mora charm so Hermione starts saying like they're not just here for decoration but Harry notices that they're not birds that they're keys they're just winged keys so one of them has to fit into that lock and they have broomsticks. So in the movie, if you remember, there's only one broomstick. In the book here, there's uh, multiple broomsticks. So Harry, Ron, Hermione all go on a broom and they have to go look for this key. So as soon as they grab the brooms, they are completely just 
surrounded in all the keys because they start to dart and dive so quickly, it's almost impossible to catch one. I think it's so funny the sentence is, not for nothing though, was Harry the youngest seeker in a century? Because he has a knack for spotting things that other people don't, and he's able to kind of see a little better and navigate his way through quickly in those situations. And he ends up seeing it right away. And so they try to close in on it, but Harry eventually ends up catching it and they go and unlock the door with it. And they go through the door. Next thing they see is the huge chessboard. And we know this part so well from the movie with those lines, those iconic lines. They're not really in this chapter, but I mean, it's pretty much the same idea. Ron tells them they have to play to get across. And since he's the best at wizard's chess, he's going to tell them how to do it. And eventually he tells them like, okay, I have to be taken. That's the only way for us to win the game. We cannot lose. And Harry and Hermione shout no. And he's telling them that's chess. Like we have to make some sacrifices. Once she takes me, Harry, you'll checkmate the king. And Ron tells him, do you want to stop Snape or not? In the movie, it's similar line to that, but it's really well delivered in the movie. And he's kind of telling them like, we got to do this and we're running out of time. So Ron does this. He sacrifices himself to be taken. And then Harry is free to checkmate the king. So he just looks knocked out pretty much is what they're thinking. Harry's trying to convince himself but he's just kind of like, okay, we got to do what's next. So they had Sprout with the Devil's Snare, Flitwick with the keys. He put charms on them. And then he just got past McGonagall's transfigured uh, chessboard. She transfigured a chessman to make them alive. So that leaves Quarrel's spell and that leaves Snape's. So they get through the next door and it's a really bad smell as soon as they walk in. Like their eyes are watering. And in front of them is a troll even bigger than the one they had encountered on Halloween. So it's out cold and has a bloody lump on his head. So they're very glad they didn't have to fight that one because they don't even know what they would have done. So they try to quickly get through the room into the next door and it's seven differently shaped bottles standing in a line. So it's Snape's, it's potion. So again, seven, a magical number. And Hermione looks at a roll of paper next to the bottles and they read like this long poem it gives them clues as to which potions to do or to take for what purpose. And Hermione is so happy because she's saying it's not magic, it's logic. And that a lot of the greatest wizards don't have a single ounce of logic. So they'd be stuck in here forever. But she says they're not going to be because she can think about it logically and figure out the solution. So after she reads the paper several times, she's looking at the bottles and she figures it out. So the smallest bottle will get us through the black fire towards the stone because there's black fire in front of them, purple fire behind them. And they look at it, there's only enough for one of them. It's hardly one swallow. And there's one that'll get back to the purple flames and Harry's telling Hermione to drink that. So that's going like backwards and getting Ron, she's saying, or he's telling her to grab the brooms from the flying key room, get out of the trap door past Fluffy because the brooms will allow you to just zoom right past him. And go to the Allery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore because they need help. And he's saying that he might be able to hold off Snape for a while, but he's really no match for him. And Harry even tells her, like, I was lucky once, wasn't I? Like, I might get lucky again, pointing to a scar. Because Hermione tells him, like, Voldemort might be with him. So right away, Hermione just runs towards Harry and throws her arms around him. And it's so funny, Hermione, exclamation point, like in italics, that's what Harry says, because he's like shocked that she hugged him. And she tells him, 
Harry, you're a great wizard. He's saying like, no, I'm not as good as you. And this is a really famous Hermione quote. She says, me, books and cleverness, there are more important things, friendship and bravery. She's telling him to be careful. And Harry's just like, okay, fine. Like you're positive, which is which, right? So, and she's saying that she is. She takes a drink from the potion and she shudders. And Harry's like wondering, like, it's not poison, right? And she's saying, no, but it's like ice. So she quickly goes off in the other direction uh, through the purple fire to go do what Harry said, to grab Ron, take the brooms and all of that. And Harry takes the other potion that will get him through the black flames towards the stone, like to the next obstacle. And he also thinks it's like ice flooding his body. So he walks through the flames and they are touching him, but he can't feel them because the potion allows him to walk through. And then finally, he can't see anything for like a second, except for dark fire. Then he's on the other side in the last chamber. And someone's already there. However, it is not Snape. And it's not even Voldemort. It is Quirrell. That's who Harry did not suspect all along. And Harry's shocked to see him there. But it's about to all make sense in the next chapter. So this was a super fun chapter. And it's really setting up the climatic ending. And it's also the second to last chapter of this book. Next chapter, chapter 17, is the last chapter. And it is called The Man with Two Faces. So I will be reviewing this chapter for next week's episode. And I haven't yet decided if I want to do one part or two. Just because there is a lot of information given. And a lot of like deep diving into it. So I will also release on my social medias if I'm going to do a part one or a part two once I finish my chapter notes. Um, just make sure you guys read chapter 17 in preparation for next week's episode. And if you have any questions or comments or anything about this chapter or Harry Potter in general, feel free to email me at the Podcast at gmail.com. My Twitter page is at SlytherinPod. Facebook page is the Heiress of Slytherin Podcast. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. It would mean so much if you guys would subscribe, write a review, just listen to my episodes, and spread the word and follow the social medias. And this was a fun chapter, but next chapter is going to be a lot of realizations and just a lot of stuff Harry did not know. And it's going to leave him with a lot of questions too. So last chapter of the book, of the first book. Can't believe I'm almost done with the first book. So make sure you guys read chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces from Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone for next week's episode. That's the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening to The Heiress of Slytherin. I'm Mikaela. Bye.